to the Happy Whole You podcast. I'm Anna Marie Frank, your brain health and wellness expert. Here we talk about all things wellness with a focus on how your brain functions. So the daily impact of our physical, nutritional, financial, even spiritual lives, how they impact our brain, including how we navigate all of our relationships on a daily basis, all have a major impact on how our brain functions. So get ready to rewire your biology and your brain because we have a lot of great information ahead. Hello, hello, amazing, beautiful humans. Here we are on another episode of the Happy Who You podcast. Today, I have Dr. Hugh Beatty joining me. He is known as the wellness doc. He's been practicing medicine since 1998. He graduated from Occidental College and he had a bachelor's in chemistry and then went on to study medicine at USCD School of Medicine. And he did his internship at Howard University and then on to his anesthesiology residency at Harbor UCLA. He's a board certified anesthesiologist and he has a list of other certifications under his belt and trainings that he has completed. He also is a member of the Business Network International BNI and he is an amazing human and he is helping so many people. So here we go. All right. Thank you for joining me today, Dr. Beatty. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Anna. So our audience just heard your bio and I just want to jump in. And the first question I have for you is what made you want to go into medicine? Well, I really want to become a chemist first. And so when I was young, I, I wanted a chemistry set because it was a cartoon with Poindexter on it, and he was blowing up chemicals and things like that. So when I was a little kid, I used to go into my mom's detergent and soap and other chemicals and mix them together to see what colors they would make and also to see if I could blow up something. And so my mom would get upset <laughs> with me if I did that. But that's where the first interest came in. But I was always good in math in school. And then when I got to junior high and high school, I was also enjoyed science. I was good in science. So I pursued a chemistry degree, and I wanted to be a chemist. Oh, and so how many times did you lose your eyebrows, or did your friends lose their eyebrows? <laughs> <laughs> happened. But, but uh, what happened, what transitioned me to medical school was that I worked at Dow Chemical one summer up in Walnut Creek, which is outside of Oakland, the Bay Area. and. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that I didn't want to be a chemist after all because it was pretty isolating and secluding. And I had a PhD mentor who was, I was working under, he was, he was, I was under his tutelage, and he had me just doing the same experiment over and over and over again and just changing a couple of things and we'll get numbers and, and see how the reactions were doing. And I just said, I, I really miss people contact. And I just said, this is not for me. Plus, in addition to that, I didn't like how I was getting exposed to all those chemicals and what effect it was having on my liver and uh, you know the toluene the benzene and stuff like that and I said no nah, I don't think this is for me <laughs> well I'm glad you ventured over into medicine because that's how I met you so thank you that's that's a good thing I'm glad you glad you went this way so can you share with us how has your practice evolved since you started originally because I I know your story and you you've gone from going from pain management, which I know you still do that, and anesthesiology, and then you've 
really evolved into this wellness doc. So if you could just share with us how you've kind of evolved your practice over the years, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, well, you know, to kind of briefly summarize it, the transition from anesthesiology to become a wellness doc really came about because when I was doing anesthesiology, I got disillusioned in the mid-90s when Bill Clinton was president and his wife, Hillary, and they were trying to take over basically healthcare. And I took a two-year sabbatical and I, uh, from medicine. And so when I came back, I said I wasn't going to do medicine the way I was practicing before, just anesthesiology. I wanted to do something more. And so I started focusing really on, on primary care. And then I eventually got into an office-based setting. And I enjoyed that a lot. I still continue to do anesthesia on a moonlighting basis, but it wasn't my focus any longer. And so what happened when I started doing primary care, I really saw the need for pain management. Because patients generally go to a doctor for two reasons, pain or infection. And so the infection part was covered by the medical part, but the pain management, I had already been trained about pain management in medical school. I mean, in residency training as an anesthesiologist. And so that was easy to add to my practice. I got board certified in pain management. I started doing pain management as well. And then as time goes on, just like anything, if you're going to be a good physician, if you're going to be perfect or perfect anything you're doing in life, you know, you're going to continue to grow. You need to continue to pursue excellence. And so that's what I did. So in primary care, as I got exposed to wellness, I said, wow, that really is the answer. Now you're going to treat the underlying cause instead of just putting a Band-Aid when you're seeing patients. I love that. And, you know, can you share with the listeners what true wellness is to you? Because I know I've had doctors and met doctors that say they do wellness, but you're really the first doc that, you know, I've met that really understands wellness. And I believe that you do wellness, true wellness. And so could you just share a little bit more into what it is you do when you say that you go to the root cause? Well, wellness by definition means that the patient's well and they no longer need you. So that's my focus. Whenever any patient comes to see me, I focus on that. I say, well, what do I need to do in order to get this person where they don't need me any longer because even the scripture says who needs a physician the sick need a physician so if if i can come to a point of wellness and wholeness they don't need me any longer and because of that there is a lot to do some patients come in a state of 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 poor health and disease and so they have been receiving medical care which i define as medication care you know treat their symptoms and managing the medical problems and things like that and so the patients have also come to me and said, well, my doctor was a very good doctor. You know, he, he kept me basically in a state of health. And I would look at them and say, well, you're not in health. In fact, you actually lost your health. And I would, they're shocked a lot of time. And when I asked them, I said, do you know when you lost your health? When you start taking these meds on a chronic basis. And the other question I would pose to the patient, at what age do you want to lose your health? And they all say to me, I never want to lose it. And I sometimes I have to say to them, you already lost it. And, uh, and so... It takes that, that mindset. I have to change their mindset between what is medical care and what is wellness care. And you're right. There's physicians in town who go ahead and promote the fact that they're doing wellness. Even organizations like Kaiser promote wellness. You know, the cancer centers are promoting wellness. And I'm looking at say, well, if they were well, there would be no need for you to see them, uh, you know, for what you're doing. So wellness, by my definition, means that they're healthy. So I call that a health care approach versus a medical care approach. Absolutely. And what is, so if someone comes to you and they say that they're tired all the time and, you know, they, they can't sleep well, they're waking up at night 
and they're gaining a lot of weight, what would your approach be with that person? Well, of course, you know, history is, is, is very important. That's why I put a quote on Facebook the other day by Dr. William Osler, which says that if you listen to the patient, he'll give you the diagnosis. And that's <laughs> true. The, the biggest issue is that doctors today, in their haste to get to the next patient, you know, they're not taking the time to listen to the patient. So what I've done is listen to the patient find out what's going on. But everything really boils down to inflammation. So no matter what is going on with them, I already know what I want to tell them. But, you know, you still have to hear patients out because they have interesting history a lot of times. And so the thing is, though, is that, and doctors are good at making diagnoses, but they're just not good at treating online causing that diagnosis. They, they will diagnose somebody with high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, and stop there and then go on and give them medications for it. I will look and say, well, you have diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, and all these other things because you have inflammation. Here's the source of inflammation. It's starting in your mouth. It's proceeding into your gut. And so then I'll mm -hmm. go ahead and say, look, these are the things we need to do to control that inflammation, that inflammatory process. We've got to balance your hormones. We've got to clean up your gut. We've got to change your, your diet and, and give you healthy nutrition. We've got to get you to sleep. Uh, better and we also have to get you to exercise resistance training some aerobics and increase your water hydration people drink fluids but they don't drink enough water they'll drink everything but water in fact i've had patients not uncommon tell me they hate water <laughs> yeah absolutely and i love how you spoke to fitness moving our bodies what we're eating you know all all of those components matter in wellness and, you know, right now we're all being impacted by this coronavirus and it's very seldom that I hear people talking about nutrition. It's all about social distancing, washing your hands, which we know those are life-saving, you know, strategies, but also, you know, when are we going to talk about nutrition and what we're putting in our bodies and getting that sleep and drinking all, you know, the good clean water, getting a little bit of sunshine. And that's what I love about what you do is you incorporate all of these elements of true health. It's literally the foundations of health with your patients and they get good results because some of your patients I've actually seen at my wellness center and yeah, they're becoming healthier, happier people. And it's, it's amazing to be a part of that. And it, it's great that there's docs like you out there that are doing this. Yeah. And that's why, Anna, I, I try to promote what you're doing in my practice now, because your extension of what I'm doing, you work very seamlessly with what I'm doing. In fact, I was thankful when I went to go see you as, as your client, that there was things I learned from you and benefit from, and I need to continue to follow up and pursue that too. So it's great that there's more people that are doing what you're, that you're actually doing what I'm trying to do. But the point is, it has to be a mindset that you get. You got to go ahead and get the patients to understand they have to buy into the fact that they say they want to be well, but there's an effort on their part. And what I mean by that, in fact, I had a guy in the office the other day, and I gave him grades on each area of those five pillars. I said, so far as hormonal balance, you're pretty much an A because it's my responsibility to try to get you there. He wasn't fully balanced because his estrogen levels are high because he had a big belly. But I said, the, next, the reason why he had the big belly because you're not doing your part, which is eating healthier, trying to clean up that gut, you know, exercising properly, getting a good night's sleep, and as well as drinking more water. And so he was like, on average, the rest of the five pillars, a C at best. Some of them were an F, he even said. And so the point is, what I tell patients, I say, look, wellness is all about what you're doing. I'm mm -hmm. there as kind of like as a coach, 
medical care is really active for me. I'm active in that, in the, in that scenario where I'm t- telling the patient what the diagnosis is, here's your meds. But in wellness, I'm a passive participant and they're the active one. I'm sitting back and coaching them and directing them and evaluating their progress. And so when patients finally understand that, then they truly see what I'm doing. And I, and I hold them accountable for it. I said, no, it's up to you to get yourself healthy, not me. I can be there to evaluate it. I can be there to take your progress and I can coach you along the way, but I can't eat for you, sleep for you. I can't exercise for you. You have to do all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's so, so true. You know, and that's, and that's another thing that I like to promote to people is, is get a coach, right? And like, if yes. you have a doctor, which a lot of people do, Find a doctor that you work well with. Like, I think it's important for us as patients to, liter- to demand more in terms of expectations or raise our expectations of our doctors. And the thing is, is if your doctor is not meeting your expectation, you need to move on and find another doctor. And we can't, the other thing is too, is, you know, people come to me and, oh, well, you know, it's, it's my doctor's fault. I don't feel it or feel good. They've given me these pills. And it's like, whoa, 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 <laughs> wait right. a minute. You walked in, you signed the papers, you chose to keep going to this person that gave you pill after pill after pill, and you continue to go down this rabbit hole, and then you want to turn around and blame them when they're in the practice of practicing medicine. They're not practicing wellness. They're not practicing you know, health and wellness. So then it's like, okay, now we got to say, what doctor should I go to? I should go to a doctor like Dr. Beatty, you know, someone who, you know, find that wellness doctor that is in your community and go to that person. If you're not happy with who you're going with, you know, we have that choice. (laughs) Yeah. And I agree with that. Anna. the thing that's so amazing is when these patients finally come alive and I know you've seen that when they transition from a disease state to a wellness state, it's amazing. They will never want to go back. (laughs) <laughs> and in fact, they truly see the, they see the benefit of coming to a person like me. And mm-hmm. the visits with them are so easy. They, they basically, I see them like twice a year because that's just basically how I do things. If they're on hormone therapy, I need to see them at least twice a year. And I am comprehensive with my testing to see if they're on point. But these visits with them are so easy. If the, there's not much to really discuss other than the fact that it's a, it's a visit of celebration. They're telling yeah. me all the wonderful things they're doing and how much better they sleep and, and how much better they look and how the girlfriends can't keep up with them and they're getting younger <laughs> friends and all these other th- things. And my marriage is so much better and we're doing this, we're doing that. I'm so focused and I, I'm doing better at work. And, and I just look and say, isn't it wonderful to be healthy? Yeah. And so truly understanding what it means <laughs> to be healthy. And those patients don't want to turn back. And I know you see that. Once you get that person to a point of, of health, they, they enjoy it and they appreciate it and they want to continue in that path. Oh yeah. It's that quality of life. I mean, the quantity will come if you focus on the quality. Yes. Yeah. For health sure. span versus lifespan, as you know. Yes. So, okay. My last question for you are, okay, I know you're a busy person and you continue your education. I know you're always going to conferences and you, you see full, you know, you have patients all day long. But for you, what are your three non-negotiables when it comes to your own health and taking care of yourself? Well, the three non-negotiables for me is definitely is that I need to get a good night's sleep. Uh, That is just critical. And in addition to that, I have to watch my diet. And so I try to focus on eating healthy as best I can. And then the other thing, exercise. If I can 
do those things. Of course, water's thrown in there. I know it's three, so I'll include water with the meals. But if I can do those three things, water and, and good diet, exercise, and good night's sleep, I think you go a long way to, to having good health, you know, so far as gut health, hormone balance. Men have a, a huge advantage. Uh, if we keep ourselves fit and we exercise and we eat properly, there's no reason why we should ever develop low testosterone levels. And I tell men that all the time. Men come in to see me, hey, doc, I want to get some testosterone. My buddy's on testosterone. And they're 30 years old. I'm looking uh, at yeah. them, look, there's things we can do. If you do have low T, we need to look for a secondary cause because mm -hmm. you should not have low T as a primary cause, not at 30. And yeah. so it's not unusual that I have even gotten men off of testosterone who were taking testosterone from other doctors who were in their 30s or early 40s. And I always question whether a, a man really needs testosterone before age 50. There's things a man can do. He can still develop muscle. He can still eat right and exercise. The main thing, get rid of the belly fat. So that's what I try to do. And when you saw me at your, at your place of business at Happy Whole You, and, you know, you complimented me, and I was thankful. And they said, wow, you, you know, you're a man who practices what he preaches. And what I try to do is keep my belly flat. I try to exercise on a regular basis because I know that that will keep me hormonally balanced. I hope that answered your question. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. And I love it. And so you kind of make me want to talk about one more thing <laughs> before we okay, jump off here. So, mm -hmm. the yeah, with men with low testosterone. So here's the thing. So when men have low testosterone, obviously it goes back to the cardiovascular system part of it. And then also if you have low testosterone, your sex drive in your sex life usually isn't that great. And if that's not working, then your brain's not working. And so I have friends that come to me privately that are like, Hey, my husband, you know, we're having trouble in the bedroom. And mm -hmm. I think it's important that we talk about that. Cause you're right. These 30 year olds, these 40 year olds are having erectile dysfunction and they have brain fog and cloudy thinking and they're having all these issues, but yet it comes back to, they've got a little bit of a gut. And I think as a society, we are accepting more of being heavier, but we're not really looking at internally what's going on biologically and how this is impacting our psychology and then how it's impacting what we're doing, you know, our biography. So it's all connected. And would you say if any man has that issue, they should come and see you? Oh, you definitely. What I usually <laughs> say to keep it, keep it short and sweet, I always tell patients, the bigger the belly, the lower the teeth. So when I see yeah. that guy walking in my office, he has the belly, he has that dad-looking body. And I go ahead and I, I start telling him, I said, look, you know, I'm concerned about your testosterone, especially if they start having rising cholesterol. That cholesterol is rising for a reason. It's trying to make the testosterone. So you got this guy who has a big belly. He's stressed out. So his cortisol is being made from the cholesterol, but it's not making the DHEA and the testosterone. I tell him, I said, look, you're on this cholesterol-lowering medication. It's going to lower your testosterone even more. It's going to make it more difficult for you to deal with stress. And they look at me like, how do you know, doc? I just show my <laughs> I say, everything starts with cholesterol. Okay. Yeah. And so, so they're shocked by that. But I definitely do agree with you. And what I do tell men, too, because one thing what will wake men up in a hurry is telling them that they're going to have erectile dysfunction when they're 50. And mm -hmm. I say, well, what do I have to do? You see, and I start telling them, look, you got to start taking better care of yourself. <laughs> I have men in their 70s who are not on testosterone who still have good erectile function. And one of the things that you probably are aware of that I 
do the gains way for men who have erectile dysfunction. And I tell them, I said, part of it is a circulatory issue, but part of it's also hormonal. And mm -hmm. so I said, those two things have to be there. And, but you'd be surprised, men will do almost anything to be able to have normal erectile function. And I tell them, I said, you got to think about it when you're young because you don't, you'll miss it when you're old. <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, I know I have some friends that are really puts a damper on their relationship. That's but see, yeah. Anna, you just said something that's key. And I know this is our last one, but you said something key. I ask men all the time, I say, do you discuss your erectile dysfunction with your buddies? No, they never do. Because right. men never want to appear to be no. different. But <laughs> when we'll talk to the girlfriends, my husband is struggling. And I look and I tell him, I said, look, even though you're not saying something, your buddies all know because the wives are all talking. So, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you just confirmed it. <laughs> Oh, that's so true. We do talk about that. We definitely talk about that. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for joining me today. This was a wealth of information for all of our listeners, and I appreciate what you do. And if you could share with everyone where they can find you at, and I'll also add that in the show notes. Well, my have a website is hubadymd.com, and my office address is 6001 Truxton Avenue. Suite 240, Building B. My office number is 395-0315. Awesome. Thank you. And that's 661 for those of you that are out of town. And yes. if you're close enough to drive, I would say definitely drive, drive over to Bakersfield and, and check out Dr. Beatty because he's awesome. Thank you again for joining us today and hope to have you on an, another episode for all of our listeners. Very much. And I think them too, Anna. You know that. <laughs> Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today, you guys, on this Happy Whole You podcast. We are so stoked that you are listening. And if you have questions or want to reach out to us, you can always email us at info at happyholeyou.com. And you know where to find us at Happy Whole You on Facebook and at Happy Whole You on Instagram. So have a wonderful day. Have a great week. And we will see you soon.